Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to the Believe in Bengal podcast right here on Bally Sports Ohio. Yours truly, Solomon Wilcotson, right now. We're joined by one of the favorites for this show. Uh, we got to go to him anytime we want to expand our horizons. And that is, of <laughs> course, Paul Daner Jr., the senior writer for The Athletic. Paul, I wish we were hanging out under better circumstances because um, after Monday, I'm telling you, it caught the entire town by surprise. The Bengals fall to the Texans 30-27, to and a lot of uncharacteristic things happened in this game. Yeah, you know, there was, there was. I mean, they, I think, felt like they had figured out a lot of things defensively where early in the season you saw them struggling against the run. And uh, they really felt like they had kind of fixed that and, and they were struggling with missed tackles and they really felt like they had fixed that. And those showed up in a big way against the Texans who had a ton of explosives. Um, And one of the ways that they were still a little concerned was they're seeing so many guys had been getting explosive passes on them. And which is really uncharacteristic for Luana Rimo defense, not something that, that they had done, they'd never allowed more than five receptions of 20-plus yards uh, in a game all of last year. But yeah, this year, they allowed eight against San Francisco, eight against Houston, uh, and that's not including the 42-yard DPI on DJ Turner, right. uh, five two other times. It's kind of become, that's maybe the uncharacteristic trend that's really concerning there, too. So all of that stuff added up to be in one of those days where you wonder what the heck just happened. This, this doesn't, this doesn't look right. It also doesn't include the 20 plus yard run uh, by Devin Singletary. So in all, I counted nine plays allowed over 20 yards or more. Um, And then if you throw in the pass interference, which set up uh, another score, uh, you would have to say it's about 10. And that's so uncharacteristic. Also what's uncharacteristic of a Lou Anaromo, Cincinnati Bengals defense. They allowed, 188 yards rushing on the day. You mentioned uh, the poor tackling, uh, just the poor run fits. There were times when Devin Singletary ran outside, went untouched on a touchdown run. There was times when he we blitzed. We had a free defender at point-blank range in the backfield, and he made the defender miss. Um, so these are things that we're not accustomed to seeing, and yet and still we got to take on the Baltimore Ravens on a short week a team that, oh, by the way, runs the ball as well as any team in the league. Yeah, and you saw that in week two here, and they did it. You know, we talk a lot about the offensive side of wanting to play from ahead and how advantageous it was with their ability to really dictate the tempo of games, have longer drives, not have those three and outs early, which was really, you know, the tenant of their four-game win streak. Well, the flip side of that is what it does defensively. And you get behind like they did to the Texans. You know, they scored in the first drive, but that long lull where they didn't do anything, the Texans take advantage of the game. They now were dictating the tempo. And that felt like early season defense where teams were just able to pound the rock on them. And they they really haven't consistently had answers to that uh, when, when other teams are playing from ahead. That's a concern. And this looked like that again. And so you wonder, okay, it, it can't go on like that, where where every game you have to be up by a certain amount of points to go and win, or else they're just going to run you to death. 
that's something that they need to get figured out as to why that's happened because it's really been a common thread through all their losses is 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 falling behind and while behind being unable to stop teams that kind of run it down their throat and even in some some of the games that the Bengals have won there seems to be these periods of lull yep. when it comes to the offensive production as you mentioned they scored on the very first drive and then um the Houston Texans scored 20 unanswered points while the Cincinnati Bengals offense was in hibernation they would punt some five times during that span until they got it going uh, in the third quarter. And then, uncharacteristically, we get two interceptions from Joe Burrow. Um, so that negated um, uh, the potential for more points on the board. Uh, but yet still, the Bengals still had a chance to win the game. I hate to bring up the, the drop by um, Tyler Boyd, who, as Joe Burrow said, they wouldn't have been down there without a 64-yard catch and run in the first place. What was the sense that you got – from talking with the coaches today in the press conference, um, their ability to put their finger on some of the key moments of how this game got away from. Yeah, I mean, that stretch of five drives that you mentioned, four of them, three and outs, we know first downs in there. And, and it was the early downs there where they were just having unproductive first downs to put them behind the sticks and third and longs. And the Texans' pass rush really – given their offensive line trouble, they, they've really felt like the offensive line settled in over the last month and, and the last couple of weeks, you know, some pretty good fronts, San Francisco, Buffalo, and, and did a really nice job of keeping Joe comfortable. And, and that just wasn't the case with Houston. Houston was just beating them up in one-on-one -on -one matchups all day to the point that Joe Burrow had to change his philosophy at halftime to come out and say, look, I, I have to go and I have to scramble more. I have to run more. I have to flush more in order to try to make plays happen because he's, he's just not going to be able to sit back there. They're not protecting well enough. That's a concern, um, but it, it hasn't been consistent for a while. So what happened there, hard to say specifically, but they look at those early downs where whether it was a negative play from a sack or just a run that didn't open up a hole or whatever, just didn't get them to the point where they could get that first first down going and get the drive some rhythm. And you had so much uh, lack of any continuity or rhythm through that stretch that really changed the entire dynamic of the game and that's how you end up with Joe Burrow playing in aggressive mode playing in come from behind mode having to take more risks he was clearly taking a lot more risks and maybe even too much so but at a certain point you're that's in your head as you're down 10 like you're just trying to make things happen and so you throw a ball up the seam to Drew Sample that you probably you wouldn't throw in that spot normally or you throw the ball where he's throwing and, and didn't see the guy drop trying to hit Trent Irwin and it gets picked off easily. You wouldn't throw that in any normal spot, but when you're in your head that you have to be aggressive, you have to go after and try to chase down this deficit. Um, that's what ends up happening and that's how you lose. And so, so much of it goes back to the dynamic of the game changing during that five drive stretch where they couldn't get anything going. Playing smart football as a quarterback says that there are times when you don't risk a turnover Hunting is okay. But when you're down by 10, uh, you're running out of time, you're getting close to the fourth quarter, hunting's not okay when you've already done that five or six times no. earlier in the game. And so there are times you talk to the best quarterbacks who've ever played in this league. I've had those conversations with Tom Brady, had those conversations with Peyton Manning. He said uh, there are times when you have to risk it, when you, when you know that if you give the ball back to that offense, by the time you get it back, they're going to – 
have put more points on the board. And so he was trying to do his best to help the football team. There's no doubt about it. Help us to understand on a short week before we go out to play the Ravens, um, what's going on with our health. I know T. Higgins battling hamstring injury. We saw Trey Hendrickson go down late in the ball game. Looks like he's got a knee injury. Very tough to bounce back on a short week. And we also know Jamar Chase is dealing with a back injury. We didn't have Sam Hubbard in this game and then lost Cam Sample, um, his replacement as a starter, which I I think really affected the way that we wanted to play defensively. Yeah, you know, we talked to Luana Rumo today, and he said Sam Hubbard is irreplaceable. And and he's maybe the best run stopping edge defender in the league, and that's so valuable. Um, and you saw it uh, against Houston, and certainly you would see it um, against Baltimore. So him doesn't look, you know, it's it's early, and they just kept repeating, you know, short tough week, you know, so not making any declarations on these guys. There's obviously hope, but it makes it a lot harder on this Thursday. T Higgins certainly seems unlikely. Trey Hendrickson seems unlikely if you're reading the tea leaves on those, and 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 that that Hubbard maybe less so, but you know, time will tell. But it's tough. It's tough turning around that quickly. And there's a chance you're going to go there without both your edges. But here's the thing. They're going to be missing potentially both of their offensive tackles. And you have invested in this position and this depth at, at, on the off- on the defensive line in the draft. Joseph Osai, Miles Murphy, Cam Sample. These are all guys, Zach Carter on the inside. These are all guys um, that you've put high draft capital into. And at a certain point, those guys got to do it and they got to go be players and they got to go rise to the moment uh, or or else, you know, that exposes what your team is. But part of the reason why I think a lot of people liked this team and I know why I liked the setup of this team from the beginning of the year was they felt built for the attrition specifically on defense. The way they had backloaded the depth with so many quality draft picks in premium positions and and of those guys dj to all the way down the line dj turner the guys i just mentioned to jordan battle at safety these are players that have to come through for you and have to develop into really quality players as the year goes on because of situations like this everyone's going to go through this everybody is going to battle this the teams that survive into january are the ones that have the depth to plug in the next big star uh right behind them and they have set it up but it's got to carry out those those draft picks have to be good players they can't just be guys who were drafted high and we're about to learn about them i for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Think real soon. And uh, listen, uh, Trenton Irwin, uh, if Chase goes down, he stepped up last year. Higgins goes down. I think he stepped up in the game on Sunday against the Houston Texas. Tyler Boyd led the team in receiving. We know he's who he is and what he is going to be uh, more consistent. Um, look, my heart bleeds for him because he's a tough blue-collar guy. I expect him to bounce back big time. Um, even within a loss, Paul, there are these silver linings 
where I think you see young players grow. I think we saw DJ Turner grow. He made mm. plays in this game, and he's beginning to do that more and more often. I don't know what, that we could say enough about what Cam Taylor Britt has yeah. meant for this team, just like he did against Arizona. He turned the game around with a pick six. I thought he got us back in the game with a near pick six on Sunday against C.J. Stroud. He has a knack of baiting some of the best quarterbacks into throwing him the football, doesn't he? Yeah, it's one thing to say, man. I mean, they just keep throwing the ball to him, but he he's he's making it look like uh, they can try to throw the ball around him, and he and he steps right into the play. Though you know, the one this was a, a really, I think, important telling moment about where Cam Taylor Britt is at in his career and his ascension to a real guy right now. And yeah. Luana Rumo kind of said the same thing when I asked him about it about the fact that. The fact that Cam Taylor Britt's interception came off the same play that he made a mistake on on the previous drive, where he took, he went behind Tank Dell on on that little crossing route and realized then he played that wrong and should have played it better. And to instinctually make the adjustment on the next drive, see the same play happening, and in the moment undercut and know that's the best way to make the play and kind of bait C.J. Stroud into trying to throw that in that spot. A guy who has been so, you know, perfect with the ball, not a one interception on the year. He's not going to make that mistake to, to see that adjust on the fly from drive to drive and have the athleticism then to pull that off um, shows that he's becoming a real, you know, Pro Bowl, All Pro type corners. Those are that's an elite type in game adjustment right. that you see from the best of the best. And for him to be hitting that stride in the middle of year two is a real sign of where he's at. You can yeah tell me all you want to about four picks in five games, and that's great, man. Yeah, but yeah. the ability to to make those kind of in game adjustments and be understanding what you're seeing at that level um makes such a huge difference and that's kind of what's making him uh, having a special year right now you know zach taylor i think understood what he was getting when they used the second round pick on him obviously he went to the university of nebraska where um you know zach still keeps an eye on that program uh, but the thing that they share in common as you well know cam taylor Britt was a quarterback mm -hmm. in high school he was a captain on the football team at the university of, of nebraska so here's a guy that's playing with a tremendously high IQ from a football standpoint and his ability to bait quarterbacks, his ability to make these key plays at timely moments. Uh, I could share with you. It's no accident. Mm -hmm. And uh, DJ Turner. And as you said, um, these guys are starting to make more plays, get more playing time, young guys, and we're going to need them to do that before we let you go. I got to ask you about these Baltimore Ravens. Well, by the way, gave up a game-winning field goal to the Cleveland Browns. Week 10, they fall uh, at home 33-31. to It was a game they have been leading the entire time. But you cannot sleep on this Ravens football team, Paul. They've scored 30-plus points in each of their last four games. So this is an offense that's still very potent that's going to be taking the field on Thursday night against the Bengals. Yeah, you know, when they brought in new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, you you knew it would probably take a little bit of time to get everything going because they were changing a lot. I mean, they were going to focus more on Lamar throwing the ball in the pocket and utilizing a, a much better collection of skill players uh, with the guys they added. You know, Zay Flowers looks like a, a star pretty quickly. They obviously have Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman's healthy. They have more real guys there and and have Lamar healthy. 
And and you've seen that really blossom after they got that first month of reps in. And it it's kind of unlocked it all for them. And and they're a scary team right now. I don't, you know, the the one problem they've had is they've had some implosions late in games. I mean, that's their own that's the only way that they lose. I mean, they they jump on people early, they get big leads, and occasionally they implode late. Um, but outside of that, like they have just been world beaters and they've they've looked at times for long stretches of this season, like maybe the best team in football. And they know the Bengals better than anybody. They play them as well as anybody, specifically from a defensive side of the ball, where they do such a great job of minimizing drives and tackling the checkdowns and and keeping Burrow questioning the picture that he's showing with all the simulated pressures they do. And so it's a real I mean, this is a real big ask of the Bengals, but they need to be capable of big asks. And and the losses that they had early in the season, this is where they hurt. Right. Is that you know, you it's okay to lose to CJ Stroud on a heater every once in a while. It's okay to lose on a short week going on the road potentially to Baltimore because it's a really tough spot. Right. The problem is when you you kick your margin for air into outer space in the first four weeks of the season for any number of injuries and, and any reasons in the injury being clearly a big part of that. It, it, it really magnifies where you're at right now and how tough you've made this task for yourself. But this is what, this is the bed they've made right now is they have to really find a way if they still want to win the AFC North, the math gets real hard. If you don't go win in Baltimore to be down two games and a tie break, uh, to to the Ravens and the way they're playing, as tough as this division is, as tough as the Bengals' schedule is, it, it's it's a lot. This is one that I think really can kind of either keep the North title on the plate, or it feels like it can throw it to the dog for scraps. Well, here's what we do know: the Baltimore Ravens, going all the way back to last season, they have lost seven games when having a 14 point lead. <laughs> They've allowed that many games to get away from last year up until what you saw week 10 Sunday against the Cleveland Browns when both teams, Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore Ravens, saw a four-game losing streak come to an end. On Thursday night, they'll try to get back into the winning column. Paul Daner, Jr., senior writer for The Athletic. You're the best, my friend. Thanks for joining us on the show again. Thanks, Sally. Appreciate it, man. All right, we'll be back with more right here on the Believe in Bengal podcast right here on Bally Sports Ohio. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Make sure you check out Bet Online for all of your sports betting needs. For anything that I do betting related, I go on over to betonline.ag and I use promo code BELIEVE50. BetOnline has all of the latest updated odds for the NFL and college football seasons. Anything you need, whether it's futures, live in-game betting, no matter what, your football betting needs are met at BetOnline. And again, make sure you use that promo code Believe 50, B L E A V 50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.